Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Our Growing Greater podcast showcases inspiring stories of innovators, business successes, and transformational projects, and it's all made possible thanks to the team at The Precisionists. The Precisionists is a B Corporation. They're headquartered in Wilmington, Delaware, and they create jobs for individuals across a broad range of disabilities. With deep regional roots and a vision for national growth, The Precisionists is focused on creating 10,000 jobs for people with disabilities by the year 2025. By providing industry best practices for delivering administrative and technology services performed through teams, teams that include individuals with disabilities, The Precisionists is uniquely qualified to lead major organizations in their journey to complete their project goals and to do it by creating a more diverse and inclusive workplace that welcomes and accommodates individuals with disabilities. Their name says it all. They do everything with precision. Learn more at theprecisionists.com and join me in thanking the Precisionists for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. This is Growing Greater. Growing Greater. Bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. So one of the things we've learned on this program is that success it's not achieved alone. It really takes a village. It takes a strong support system to help someone reach their goals. And one of the greatest supporters someone can have in their corner is their family, their parents, their grandparents, and other family members who are consistently there for them to help them be successful in life. From packing school lunches, helping out with science fair projects, going on college tours, Our parents and other family members are there every step of the way, aiding students through their academic journeys. On this week's show, we meet one entrepreneur who has created a business based on this notion of how parental involvement results in better academic outcomes for students. Dave Becker. He's the CEO of a company called Campus ESP. And here, Dave describes his unique business. Campus ESP is a technology platform that helps colleges and universities engage with parents and families. What a lot of people don't realize is the average college student engages with their parents 13 times a week, and a lot of colleges don't know what to do with that extra involvement. So we help colleges focus that energy, that involvement on things like student success, helping Mm -hmm. make sure that a student can graduate. And in other cases, we actually like to say every once in a while that we give helicopter parents a place to land. So we recognize that, you know, with the cost of education going up, parents are going to be involved and we provide them a way to engage with the student during their journey. So you're about two and a half years into your journey as the founder and CEO of Campus ESP. Share with us, if you can, take us back. I'll make it up three years, maybe three and a half years ago, maybe longer to when that seed was planted in your mind for what has blossomed into what is today Campus ESP. Yeah, you know, the start date of when a startup actually got founded, it varies based off of the definition. So the actual seed was planted probably about five and a half years ago, of course, while I was working on other projects. And it started with some ideas that a previous colleague of mine had around student engagement and thinking about how can we help students engage more successfully with the college that they're at. We went to uh, a couple schools to check that out, get some ideas, and they were like, you know, there's a lot of companies out there trying to engage with students, but 
nobody's trying to engage with the families. And this individual from a college started talking about how involved parents and families were. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used that information to kind of go back and do research. And for two years, we really just researched the idea. Oh, wow. That's pretty extensive. I think we did Campus ESP right. We really understood the market we were trying to go after. We tried to understand, hey, is it, is it just about helicopter parenting, snowplow parenting, or can we leverage their energy for something that's really going to help with student success? So the platform that we've deployed to college and universities is really just like a few years old, but the idea for Campus ESP is actually probably over five years old. Yeah, gotcha. And may even be older than that because, you know, no idea is a new idea, right? It's just a recycled idea, right. I suspect, exactly. right? Exactly. But you've actually brought it to life and you've done it in a way that sounds like it has, to your point, a platform that is adding value for parents to be more engaged or as engaged as they may want to be, whether that's a lot or a little, in the lives of their students who are attending college and universities. Yeah, you know, a lot of people aren't sure why parent involvement's increasing. I mm. go back to the cost of education. So if you think about, if you have like an investment, like a 401k or a pension, and you had no way to check on the status of that investment or how it was growing, you're going to be making a lot of calls to your broker. You're going right. to want to make sure that things are on track. So for a lot of parents, they're involved in their students' education and on the financial aspects of it, if nothing else. And they want to make sure that the student's on track. So we provide a way to meaningfully engage with the parents so that they can stay appropriately engaged. That's always the term that we use. Right. And for college and universities, it makes sense for them to partner with parents. Yeah, it really does. And I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I'm really going to do a bad play on words here because <laughs> you were like reading my mind just now when you referenced the increase in parent engagement. And you had referenced a moment ago that the average parent has 13 different interactions with their student in an average week. Right. So you had referenced it's, you know, why? Why? that is, you know, and this is, I suspect has been an evolution because when you went to Penn State and I have the privilege of knowing that you were at Penn State in the early 90s, yep. I'm not sure how actively involved your parents were in that process because I suspect there was a little black phone in your room and a payphone down the hall, maybe. But other than that, the connectivity with family and friends who weren't physically located on the campus you were attending may have been pretty limited. So this is my long-winded question of how did this evolution of parent involvement with their students really take hold? Yeah, I do think it is an evolution. It didn't happen overnight from Generation X, and, and we certainly didn't engage with our parents to this degree. I think it's a cultural shift. A lot of people think it's millennials who engage at this level, but it's really Gen Z. It's the next generation. And it is an evolution. It is about parents being told time and time again in K-12 education that parent engagement will help their students succeed. So great. Now your student has succeeded. They've graduated high school. They're about to go to college. What's next? College. What happens from there? And what does it mean from a cost perspective? Parents aren't ready to just step away at that point. They want to make sure that their student has a successful transition, that they understand opportunities ahead of them, and that they're getting the most out of their college experience that, you know, the investment that they're putting into it. Yeah, totally. And that they're safe, they're healthy, they're engaged, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, that's a really good point, too. A lot of people think students drop out of college because of their grades, but that's not really the reason. It's usually something financial, behavioral, medical, and parents are involved with that. So if you're thinking about how to increase graduation rates, parents play an important role because if something does take a student off track, Mm -hmm. usually they're going to get pulled in at some point or another. Yeah, that makes sense. And in a moment, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you, which I suspect you get often. Yep. But before we go there, I want to dive into a name, Campus ESP. Yes. Does the ESP stand for something? And 
How hard was it to come up with the name of the entity that you founded and lead, Campus ESP? Well, coming up with a name is really difficult because you don't want to regret the name a week later. And I'm very happy that after a few years here, I do not regret the name Campus ESP. ESP is meant to evoke the uh, the spirit of knowing what's going on without having to be there with extrasensory perception. But it also stands for Campus Experience for Students and Parents. So a few years into this, I'm still loving the name Campus ESP. It has meaning. Uh, Our customers like it. And I'm very happy with the name Campus ESP. If it wasn't Campus ESP, what do you think it would have been named? Oh, boy, that's uh, that's a good question. What was option B? I don't know if we ever had option B. I know that we came up with the name at a bar. So a lot of uh, the greatest ideas, I feel like, are written on cocktail napkins over a couple uh, beverages. And I'd probably have to go back and, and look at my notes for what was plan B. Yeah. And I agree with you. Coming up with the name of any organization is a real process, and it can be a real challenge. And I'm glad to hear that you have no naming regrets, if you will. (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) So before we get into some of the details of what I was referring to a moment ago, the devil's advocate questions, share with us some of the nuts and bolts of the organization. How big is the shop now? And what's the business model? How do you guys actually generate revenue? Yeah, so now, I mean, we're still in early stage startup mode. There's seven full-time employees, and we have a three part-time folks. We work at a co-working space in downtown Philadelphia at 15th mm-hmm. and Market. It's yep. fantastic because it gives us uh, an opportunity to grow. We've doubled our size from last year. So um, we're really kind of, I think, on the right trajectory. We're up to about 33 customers. So major colleges and universities, including some that, or many that are in the Philadelphia area, Our revenue model is we're really selling to colleges and universities. So we base our charges based off of uh, an annual fee that's based off of the size of the institution and some of the features that they run and roll out. We try to do so in a way that's very clear to them that they can budget against. And then we measure success usually based off of one of three attributes, whether it's increasing admissions yield, increasing student graduation rates, Mm -hmm. or parent fundraising. Parent fundraising is also another opportunity for a lot of these colleges. That makes really good sense. And I love that your approach is to engage the college and university. And to be clear, 33 clients, that's not 33 families. That's 33 colleges and universities. Just so the average listener appreciates that your reach is much more significant. And to be able to address those success measures, I think, is really key because every university, every college wants to ensure that their students are having, one, a good experience, but beyond the good experience, that they're actually successful in their higher education endeavors. So that's a really good kind of, I guess, what I would call value proposition. Yeah. You know, a great example is actually Penn State. So Penn State has rolled out Campus ESP to two of their campuses. One is University Park. The other Mm -hmm. one is Abington. And Mm -hmm. they have over 70,000 parents on the platform. Wow. And if you look at our overall email open rates for our platform, which is just one measure of engagement, but I think it's a good one to kind of focus on, the average email open rate is over 50%, Mm -hmm. which is really high. And then if you look at what types of families are using it the most, it's families of prospective students, families of first-year students, and families of first-generation students. Mm -hmm. And those are all demographics of students that a lot of colleges and universities are trying to reach with meaningful impact, and we're able to uh, reach those students through their families. Yeah, that makes really good sense. And what are some of the characteristics, the attributes, if you will, that a parent, a caregiver 
can access by using the Campus ESP platform as a way to really connect with their student and kind of learn about what their journey is all about as it unfolds. So there's really three levels for a parent. The first level is really around just getting uh, newsletters from the college or university about what's happening on campus, when are specific financial aid deadlines, how they can support their student, let's say during the uh, internship search and different parts of their student's journey. So some parents will just open up the emails and read the emails and that's fine. Other parents will actually go into a web platform, a portal, a mobile app, and they'll actually configure what preferences they have for the information that they receive. Mm -hmm. In the content shifts based off of whether it's a parent of a first-year student or a parent of a fourth-year student, they're going to need different information at different times, and we provide that. Some parents can actually go in and request access to their students' academic and financial information. And we have an electronic FERPA waiver process that gives parents the ability to request that information and the students to decide what to accept. Hmm. And in that case, parents can actually see a dashboard of their students' information. Like it's almost like an investment dashboard, if you right. will. And then we send alerts to parents when they need to be involved. Let's say um, there's a financial aid deadline that the student's about to miss. Right. If you send that alert to a parent, they're going to have a conversation with their student. They're going to nudge their student. And usually that financial aid deadline is going to be met by the student. So the student, it sounds like, is empowered to be able to authorize, you know, what kind of access their parent can receive. Is that fair? Students love the system. And it was the biggest surprise when we were doing our research about this because most students give their college ID and password to their parents if they do not have a system like this. Mm -hmm. So when we've done our research, we found out that 63% of parents have their students' college ID and password. Mm -hmm. And that's just the percentage of parents that admit it. It's probably a lot higher. That's right. So with our system, students can decide what to share with their parents, what to not share with their parents, and they can make a determination around controlling the access to their academic and financial records. So we'll be back with Dave in just a moment. But first, let's thank the team at WSFS Bank. They're actively helping us attract new companies and new jobs to our region, and they help support our podcast. The WSFS Bank mission, we stand for service. It's the daily call to action for the professionals at WSFS. The seventh oldest continuously operating bank in the United States, the WSFS team has become a real symbol of excellence in our community, WSFS. Their friends call them WSFIS, and they're a service-oriented, locally-managed community banking institution. They've been helping businesses of all sizes, as well as growing families with a wide range of banking services, and they continue to implement innovative tactics to streamline the personal and business banking experience. Learn more at WSFSBank.com and join me in thanking Wisfis Bank for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to our conversation with Dave at Campus ESP. So one of the things that struck me as I was uh, learning about Campus ESP, and by the way, folks, we're talking with Dave Becker. He is the founder and CEO of Campus ESP. It's a technology platform that really connects parents with their student who's away at a college or university to be able to collaborate with them. And that's one of the things that struck me is these are young people who – the students who are navigating the unknown oftentimes for the first time, depending on what their high school experience was. But even if they did have a really robust high school experience, they're making a journey into an unknown space. And they actually are looking for people that they can collaborate with and who better than their parent 
or caregiver to be able to partner with them and feel like they're connected. And this leads to what I suspect you get every once in a while, that devil's advocate question is, are parents too involved? And you used the phrase yourself of helicopter parent, but the surprising research that you've been able to uncover that shows that not only do parents like this, but students actually really like it as well because they have that partner, they have that collaborator that they can turn to and say, what about, how should I, I'm thinking of this, what's your opinion on how to navigate this particular situation? And being able to formalize that through a technology platform sounds like it's a real winner. But let me come back to that devil's advocate question, Dave, and ask, how do you address the situation where you get folks who say, you know what, parents are too involved in their kids' lives? Yeah, well, Matt, that's a great question. And I think people need to ask the students. If you look at the percentage of students that reject the FERPA waiver request by parents in our system, it is highest for grades, as you might expect. Sure. And that rate is 5%. Yeah. So most students do not reject access for their parents. They want their parents to play a role in their education. They're excited because they feel like they don't have to get their parent caught up on everything. So they actually like the system. They feel like they're already engaging with their parents, you know, pretty regularly. So this gives them an opportunity to kind of uh, have their parent be more informed and have the conversation progress a little bit more quickly. It's really interesting because folks that take the stance of a helicopter or snowplow parents being disruptive, yeah, they can be disruptive in certain areas, but when it comes to college completion, when it comes to picking the right college that their student goes to, those parents play a role and students want them to play that role. Yeah, it does make sense. And I know you mentioned this a moment ago, and I love the fact that first-generation college families are those who, generally speaking, see value in this. Because there are a lot of unknowns in navigating this world, and it is a big investment. So let's use the tools that are being made available to us by the university that our child has chosen to go to, to be able to ensure success and and to be able to collaborate around all this. So it does make really good sense. I want to pivot, Dave, to some of the universities that you engage with. So a lot are in the greater Philadelphia region, like Cabrini University, Delaware County Community College. You would reference Penn State University Park and Abington campuses. But there are also some colleges that are a little bit, I guess what I would say, far away, at least from your office at 15th and Walnut Streets, places like uh, Auburn and Gonzaga, who most people never heard of unless you watch the Sweet 16, right? (laughs) Yeah, they were pretty successful. (laughs) Really. My question for you is, how do you get in front of the decision makers at the colleges and universities to be able to, one, introduce your platform, and two, really make the case that this is an asset and a tool that these colleges should pay attention to? Yeah, for us, there's kind of two prongs of attack, if you will. There's the first piece, which is really just going to the conferences that everybody goes to. So Mm -hmm. there's a conference for enrollment management. There's a conference for student affairs. There's a conference for admissions. So there's all these different conferences where you can meet people all in one place. And some of those conferences actually, uh, they come up to Philadelphia. So I remember some of our early conferences where we exhibited at were actually at the convention center. Right. So that's super convenient, number one. Secondly, in education technology, it's very relationship focused. People know everybody, they know about your reputation. And so what we've done over the last couple of years is really cultivate a really good reputation. Schools Mm -hmm. like Auburn, UNC Chapel Hill, 
We have Texas A&M just joined our family as well. That's great. Uh, Towson. So we have a lot of large, noteworthy schools, and they, and they really help us sell our product. They are references, but even more than that, they're really our advocates. That makes perfect sense, David. And I love the fact that you refer to it as, I think it's called educational technology. And you've really built a career around that space, even before you started Campus ESP. And I was hoping you could talk with us a little bit more about Dave Becker, where you grew up, where you went to school. You mentioned you went to Penn State. But talk about the journey that today is Dave Becker's life. Okay, that's a... (laughs) Pretty lofty, <laughs> That's a pretty huh? broad question. <laughs> I'll say, first off, born and raised in Philadelphia. Yep. Also, after that, like you mentioned, I went to Penn State. Also, a son of an entrepreneur as well, who started his own business in Philadelphia. So for me, I feel like Philadelphia is a big part of my story. Mm-hmm. And when I left college, I immediately moved back to Philly. Got my start in public accounting. Was there for two years, realized it probably wasn't the best match for my skill set being an auditor. And I moved to a company that was uh, called SCT out in Malvern, Pennsylvania, which is in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I was there for 14 years, took different roles there from, actually, I was their internal auditor. I moved to um, sales consulting to eventually become their senior vice president of product over an enterprise, a student information system that was used by about 40% of colleges and universities in the U.S. So can I just interrupt mm-hmm. and suggest, see where the auditing world actually took you? Yeah, right? it's pretty... <laughs> Pretty funny. I remember I remember my father at the time was saying, well, if you're an auditor, you get the skill, you know, debits and credits, you know, financials. And yeah, you know, it, it served me well. Yeah. And I got my two years in and then I and then I got out of there. Yeah. Well, you were able to navigate through different channels <laughs> yes. and really make something of a different kind of path. Did you graduate Penn State with a typical what I would call accounting degree? Typical accounting degree, became a CPA, mm-hmm. got the letters, and then went into the next stage, which really was sales and product for me. Right. Gotcha. And now it's Dave Becker. Instead of Dave Becker CPA, it's Dave Becker DNA of entrepreneurship. Because I love that your dad was an entrepreneur and maybe your mom as well, but clearly there's something in your DNA about wanting to go down this path of entrepreneurship. Yeah, for me, it's been eye-opening. You know, the older you get, the more you realize you're a product of your family, of your parents. And I've been seeing more and more of my dad in me. It's significant and I'm embracing it. Mm -hmm. I really am. So for me, it's great being able to have some success as an entrepreneur related back to some of the early lessons I learned in Philadelphia, but obviously from my family. Yeah. So I want to pivot from your days in Malvern to, I guess, really the last six or seven years where you've been in more of an entrepreneurial type of role. Share with us what you were doing just before Campus ESP to kind of set the platform for where you are today. Yeah, well, I guess it kind of started with a little bit of like a midlife shift Mm -hmm. where I was with a much larger company. They got acquired. I was able to move on from that opportunity Mm -hmm. and just have a couple months where I could kind of think about what I wanted to do next. Right. And in that instance, I kind of think I went through a little bit of my midlife crisis where I was like, I knew I wanted to be involved in startups. Well, what would that startup look like? Right. So again, at a bar, iterated on a few ideas with a couple of friends. And that's when the idea for Campus ESP first came up. But another idea also came up at that time, which was a company called Beacon and Lively, Mm -hmm. which was more focused on wearable technology. Specifically, we were focused on jewelry technology. And that's where I spent the first year and a half of my entrepreneurial journey, which was really getting into this wearable tech startup, building a company from the ground up, working with a team of about eight really talented individuals that helped educate me and get me rolling. And that's where I really started learning more about entrepreneurship and started there. 
and a great foundation for establishing where you are today. Yeah, you know, there were things I like about being an entrepreneur, such as building a team, building a product. There's things that were a little bit frustrating, like fundraising and, yeah. and thinking about how you make payroll and, you know, scratching out a living and yeah. also having some balance in your life, too. I'm really fortunate to be married to a wonderful woman, Veronica, who has been very patient through this experience. And I think, you know, we're starting to see like, some of the positive results of being an entrepreneur and some of the flexibility that we have, but it's been really tough. You know, it's a lot of work when you're building a company from the ground up. Absolutely. You're always on, that's for sure. And there's lots of different options and decisions and choices to make. And one of the things that has struck me during our conversation, Dave, is different applications for the technology platform that you've established at Campus ESP. Do you think it can be readjusted, if you will, to other platforms? Yeah. I mean, we're we're constantly looking at engaging more with alumni, using it as more of a direct-to-student engagement platform. Like, mm. Here's a really interesting stat, which is in one of the features in our parent engagement platform is that parents can share information directly with their students. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, it happens via email. And you always hear time and time again, students never check their email. But when their parents send it to them, students open up that email at a rate of 55% which is really high. And then we ask students, hey, would you like to get regular updates from Campus ESP? And 75% of them say yes. So we have opportunities to grow in different areas beyond just parent engagement. I think it's a natural evolution that's going to occur when the time is right for our company. Yeah, that makes sense because there is a pipeline here, if you will, of relationships that you are establishing with a parent. And after that four-year, eight-year, 12-year, depending on how many kids they have that choose to go to schools that have the the platform for Campus ESP, how do you maintain that relationship with them in different channels, whether it's through you know alumni relations or parent alumni relations? And I suspect also, how do you, to your point, engage the student that has moved on from that college or university institution to also maintain a relationship with their institution? Yeah. One of the things that we see is it's a relationship-focused business. So mm-hmm. when we're working with these colleges and universities and they see the results they're having with parents, maybe a demographic they didn't really think about that's a little bit niche. Yep. You know, one of their concerns is that, okay, we've created a parent experience that sometimes exceeds the student experience. So how do we, how can we leverage the progress that we've made with parents and involve students more directly or alumni? So we definitely are close to seeing some opportunities pop up there. And I think that's going to be eventually the future of Campus ESP, which is growing beyond just parents into different segments. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny too, Dave, you struck a memory for me that Yes, students are a great advocate for any college or university, but the parent of that student actually may be a better advocate, especially when they're talking with other parents, to be able to say, let me tell you about the great experience we as a family have had at a particular institution. Yeah. I mean, parents talk with other parents. Right. I mean, I could give you a very specific example of a major school that is checking us out right now, but I won't jinx us. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) But yeah, they're talking with other parents. And, you know, for schools who are trying to create a wall between them and parents, they're missing out on an advocate. These parents are going to be involved. They want their student to succeed. The school, the college or university wants their student to succeed. So why not figure out a way to partner? And for a lot of these universities, Campus ESP becomes part of their parent engagement strategy. And it doesn't have to be about encouraging more involvement. Most schools are not trying to get the parents more involved. They're trying to figure out what is the appropriate level of parent engagement and how can we make sure that it's focused on student success. So it's been very successful so far. 
That's great. And folks, we've been listening to Dave Becker. He's CEO and founder of an organization called Campus ESP. They operate right out of Greater Philadelphia at 15th and Walnut Streets here in Center City, Philadelphia. But their reach is going way beyond the region. They now work directly with 33 different colleges and universities, over 250,000 parents of students who attend those colleges and universities are using the Campus ESP platform. I suspect those numbers are already increased based on the (laughs) statistics we have. 71% say that it really helps them better support their child, their student who's going to that college or university. And Dave, where I'm going with all this is what's next for College ESP? If you could predict, it's my favorite three, five, ten-year question. Where's College ESP going to be in the next three years, five years, and ten years? For Campus ESP, we're going to basically, over the next three years, really just focus on executing on our business plan. So it really is focusing on parent engagement. There's nobody doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit unique. And... I think we're still kind of, you know, figuring out our craft. We want to make sure we're utilizing the data that we're getting back on how parents are engaging and how it's helping students and create some scalable models that really just define what parent engagement should be at the college level. Mm-hmm. From there, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. We're establishing more partnerships. I think we have a lot of potential. Our technology is easy to manage, but it's also very scalable. And as we discussed earlier, I think, you know, whether we get into student engagement, alumni engagement, whether we can connect through more integrations with technology and a college's ecosystem, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about your experiences in greater Philadelphia. And I know you're a proud Philadelphia native and you established your business here. You employ about seven people today. Right. But I want to talk about talent and access to talent. Because one of the things that we do at Select Greater Philadelphia is we're trying to attract new businesses and new jobs and, frankly, new talent to come here to establish and grow their career is to talk about the assets of the region. And for a technology-driven company like Campus ESP, I'd love to hear your perspective on One, how hard is it to recruit really good talent here to do the type of work that you need to be done? And do you think it's a uniqueness to greater Philadelphia? In other words, could you be successful doing what you're doing if you weren't physically located here? Because this is your choice to be here. This is your home. Well, recruiting talent is always the biggest challenge. That's the most important thing. And if you do it right, it really defines your business, your culture, and probably your success path. For us, Starting a company from scratch, you really, as much as you could work with remote employees, having them all in one room, working together, building a sense of trust is really important. Mm-hmm. So finding folks in the region that have the proper skill set, that also bring the correct amount of energy. I mm-hmm. mean, we want to have people that are going to build culture as much as company. It's, I think Philadelphia is a winner when it comes to that. Like People are excited to move to Philly. We actually have one person on our team who actually moved from Chicago to Philly. Cool. Actually, I take that back. We have multiple people on our team. We have a person who moved from Missouri to Philadelphia, not wow. your typical move. Right. And, you know, Philly's never a barrier. People are excited when they come here, when they see the walkability, when they see kind of all the different opportunities with entertainment. It's something that we can use to recruit talent, but there's also a lot of talent in and around Philly. So for us, it just makes sense to be in an urban environment that really can draw the correct amount of best talent to our company. 
I'm glad to hear that because we're often big fans of what I call the recruitability of greater Philadelphia. And we hear really positive things from folks who are coming here. So it's good to hear that you're hearing the same thing as well. And you're living it in real life. Yeah, you know, I didn't even really think about it until you mentioned it, but one third of our team, I know it's a small team, but one third of our team is from outside of Philly and they moved here to join Campus ESP. And certainly one of the reasons they moved here was for Philadelphia. That's really great. So I want to shift slightly to uh, your hat as an entrepreneur again and ask, what do you share? What kind of advice and guidance do you give to an individual who's thinking about starting their own shop and taking that risk, that measured risk of investing their time, their resources to build out a company to kind of bring their dream to life? Truthfully, I tell them not to do it. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, I really, I really try to dissuade them from doing it because I think it takes a lot of energy and yeah. they have to be passionate about it. So yeah. in some ways, I'm just trying to make sure that they're into the idea and yeah. that that they're passionate about it and that they're going to, you know, it's, there's a lot of different steps you have to take. I think a big part of getting that foundation started and rolling is having a network of people that can help. One of the things that I do in Philadelphia is I work with an organization called Philly Startup Leaders. I'm a mentor to other startups. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's great to kind of give back to the community. But anybody who's starting a company from scratch knows that they have to rely on great people. It's not just the people that you work with or that you hire. It's mentors. It's advisors. It's your spouse. It's your family. So you have to make sure that that network that you rely on is on board with that direction, that they're going to be patient, that they're going to bring you energy when you need it. Yep. And that's something really to consider, which is your team, which goes beyond just your startup team. The story of Dave Becker and his vision for creating and growing his company, Campus ESP, it's just one of the cool stories we highlight on Growing Greater. To hear how other entrepreneurs have taken an idea from concept to implementation, head online to selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. And as we wrap this episode, I want you to know that we could not produce this program without the support we receive from the team at Kistler Tiffany Benefits customer intimacy. This is the key characteristic that really distinguishes Kistler Tiffany Benefits, leading to its growth and success over the past 55 years as a trusted leader of employee benefits consulting for companies in Pennsylvania and Delaware and New Jersey and beyond. The team at Kistler Tiffany Benefits, they work hand-in-hand with their clients to find long-term strategies and sustainable solutions that really control costs for individuals, small businesses, and large, complex organizations with multi-state operations. They understand and appreciate the importance that employers and employees place on affordable, valuable benefits packages. Learn more at ktbenefits.com and join me in thanking Kistler Tiffany Benefits for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.